Thanks, Faye. That was awesome. I said, uh, just a little while ago, I said to Tom, we often have this chat about um, whether or not you should write your notes on physical paper or not. And uh, I looked at him and I said, you know what, um, the sermon that I prepared at home on the computer has not synced <laughs> with my iPad. So I don't know what's going on. That's all right, sync now. Shall we pray? Father, in this time that, that as a nation and, and many around the world are, uh, are feeling a little bit maybe unsettled and unsure, we thank you that your word is the foundation that we can build upon. We thank you, Lord, for the privilege of being able to have it in our hands this morning, to be able to hear it spoken, to be able to read it and to take it into our hearts. So we just pray, Lord, that, that as we look at this passage, we would just take in what your spirit wants to say to us this morning for the glory of Jesus and in his name. Amen. 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 Now, it may well be that um, you've heard today's passage spoken about before. Um, and if that's the case, my prayer is that by the power of the Holy Spirit, it would speak clearly to us again. Now, if you've never heard this passage spoken of before, I pray that these words of Scripture and this account that we're going to read and hear about would bring liberty and life into our very existence. As I read through this, there are, there's probably many kind of classical ways you can take this passage and you go, oh yeah, Martha, Mary, and as I was reading, I thought, actually, do you know what I'm seeing here? I'm seeing a question kind of being asked, and the question is, where is the compass of my heart pointing? Where is the compass of my heart pointing? And with each of these people in this account, I kind of looked and I said, where is the compass of their heart pointing? So what we're going to do is we're going to look at it from a slightly different angle. That's a surprise, isn't it? How many of you have heard sermon after sermon after sermon about Judas. I want to talk about Judas this morning. Not just Judas, but we'll start with Judas. Isn't he kind of the... got to be careful here. Isn't he the ultimate pantomime villain? Isn't he the one that when we read Judas, we kind of go, you know. Isn't he the one who's the betrayer, the accuser, the self-centered, money-grabbing ratbag of Scripture? Is that not Judas? Do you not feel like that? It might just be me, but 
I sometimes, I'm going to make a confession. I know we've had confession, but I'm going to make a confession. I confess that sometimes I almost become a little bit offended by how much Judas shows up in the Gospels. I sometimes wonder how and why Jesus could tolerate him. How could he put up with someone who, from the get-go, was there to undermine, to ignore? My Jesus. How could he do that? Didn't he know, did he not know? Didn't he see Judas coming? Why call him in the first place? Wasn't he beyond redemption? This is the Judas, and this is what I was thinking about when, when I saw him. For a start, he's at the meal. Nick's, Nick's getting his, um, sorry, what you call it your priesting? Nick's getting priested in a couple of weeks. And he's been told you can have a certain number of people. Now, I get that, right? There's, there's like, you know, if we all kind of, if I said, look, there's a meal round Bill and Shirley's tonight, help yourself. They might say, well, listen, we need numbers, right? So I get that. So you imagine Jesus is having this meal at Martha's. There needs to be some numbers. He chose Judas. This Judas spent three years in the presence of Jesus. How sometimes I hear and I feel myself, Lord, I long to spend three minutes in your presence. This Judas spent three years in his presence. He was witness to all that Jesus said and did. And yet after all of that, he chose his own path. But there's comfort. There's comfort to be taken. That in the end, this Judas, this liar, this cheat, this accuser, this money grabber, this self-centered individual who got in the way continually, the comfort is this, that in the end, he got what he deserved. And then I'm reminded that Jesus got what I deserved. And Jesus got what you deserved. I'm reminded that even when the storm was blowing and he got out of the boat and he took his eyes off his saviour, and he started sinking. Jesus saved those who cried out to him. I'm reminded that even when panic overcame them and they denied Christ, God did not cast them aside. 
And so I'm reminded that although the compass of Judas's heart was pointed to himself, Jesus never excluded him. That he, for those three years, gave him every opportunity to reorientate the direction he was going. Thank God. Thank God. You and I don't get what we deserve. Because that would be a horrible, horrible thing. After I finished, and I promise I won't be long, we're going to take communion. Isn't kind of one of the imagery, one of the pictures of communion is coming and saying, God, I thank you that you got what I deserved, that I, I can't pay that price, but you paid it for me. What a, what a wonderful, wonderful way to wrap this up. So that's Judas. Now, I'm, I'm, you thought that was a bit left field. Now I'm going to go somewhere else. Right? Um, and I, I, I pray that it's not some weird sidetrack that my mind just went down as I was reading this. Um, but I do have complete confidence that if it is some weird sidetrack, after the service there'll be an orderly queue that can be formed and you can tell me. Just say, Craig, I don't know what you're going on about. It's all right, I can handle it. I want to look at Martha and Mary. I mean, just a, just a slight technical aside here. This is the first time that M&Ms were ever mentioned in history. It's all right, I've, I was preparing for the kids' talk, all right, and we didn't get to do it, so I had to throw it out there. So typically when we think of Martha, we think, oh, Martha, right? Because we all want to be Marys, don't we? These days you can, actually, guys, so it's okay. No, we all, you, you know, we just, but I want to look at them as a whole, right? I want to look at them together, and I want us to see that actually Mary and Martha together Give us a bit of an insight about how church should be. One of the things that struck me about this is Martha opened her home. Now, if you've ever opened your home, usually you open it when you know who's coming, don't you? But she opened her home and look who turned up. Jesus, positive. Lazarus. We'll get to him later. Hopefully, yeah, anyway. Um, and Judas. Mary had faith to open her home, trusting in God that who was going to be there was who God wanted to be there. Wouldn't it be wonderful if the church freely opened its doors so that all may come in Those who are hungry, those who are hurting, those who are haunted. And there's even room for those who are holy. Wouldn't that be a great thing? 
that we opened our doors, knowing that sometimes there are going to be people come in who are self-centred, who may betray us, who may pour scorn on us. Because that's how I want to see Martha. She opened her home and said, Jesus, I trust you. My heart, the compass of my heart, is pointed at you. And why would we welcome these people? Why would we welcome people who potentially are disruptive? Because church is a place where the people, as imperfect and diverse as we are, fall at the feet of Jesus, and in spite of ridicule and reproach and logic and personal preference, those people sought to worship him in spirit and in truth. And there will be some that think we're wasting our time. There will be some that think we're wasting our resources. There will some that say the church is so rich. Why does it need this? Why does it need that? But wouldn't it be wonderful if what people saw were just individuals who'd been transformed by the power of God, who realized that we weren't here because of something that we'd achieved in life, but we were here because of something that God achieved in death of his son, Jesus. Wouldn't that be a great place? Wouldn't it be, wouldn't it be Tom often talks about a safe place? Wouldn't that be a safe place? That we're here not because of what any individual one of us has achieved or not achieved or succeeded at or failed at. We are here because of what Jesus has done. Uh, we've talked recently, um, I think, actually, I think it was you, Tom, has talked recently about sometimes church will be messy. Does that ring a bell? Now, that doesn't mean you leave your Bible on the seat in front of you or, you know. It means sometimes things are going to happen. Sometimes there's potential for something disruptive to happen. Sometimes we're going to make decisions that, that maybe are not the best decisions. Sometimes we might even say things that on reflection we go, well, was that wise to say? Trust me, I'm always guilty of that, as my wife tells me. Why did you say that? But you see, those times that we fall short, those times when we don't think it through, those are the times that we hold on to the hope and the grace and the mercy and the love of God for his children. Because that is what we are, his children. You know, we're not told this, and there is a real danger in kind of imagining what would happen next in Scripture. 
So this is not in the Bible, but I suspect if the next week Jesus said, I'm going to be in town, right? What would Martha have done? Wouldn't she have gone, I open my home to you? And what would Mary have done? Wouldn't she, when he got there, when, when he got in the house and she saw him, wouldn't she have fallen at his, at his feet and giving, given him all that she had as an expression of adoration and worship? I think she would have. And then I got to thinking about um, Her Majesty and reflecting on that, and I guess a lot of people much wiser than me have been reflecting on it. And, and I was reflecting on the fact that undoubtedly she was born into great privilege. Undoubtedly she had a life that none of us could ever imagine. Undoubtedly that was a life that was full of status and power and pomp and ceremony. That's just the facts, isn't it? That's what she was born into. And then my mind started wandering and I started thinking that if we'd been reflecting on a lady named Liz who lived down the road at the local council estate, and who struggled all her life bringing up her children whilst surviving on handouts from the local food bank, we would be reflecting on a life of faith and someone who was consistent and public in their demonstration of a personal faith in a saviour that provided an anchor and hope for her life. Because one of the things, I hope one of the things that the world learns is that our social status or our wealth or our privilege aren't what makes us. We may or may not have things. Ultimately and eternally, all that matters is who I am in Christ. And if nothing else, and in, in many ways above all else, I thank God that that lady expressed so clearly, so consistently, her personal relationship with Jesus. Now, I think Lazarus would be the perfect dinner guest. Can you imagine it? So, Lazarus, anything happened this week? <laughs> I mean, honestly, would that not be? Anyway, when I thought of it, it, it was different, but... Lazarus's heart was steadfast on his saviour. In the most literal sense, 
Lazarus's testimony that was to the fact that though he were once dead, he is alive in Christ. Can you imagine having that conversation? That, oh, you just can't imagine it, can you? Lazarus reminds me, as Scripture says, and it should be a reminder for us all, that those who fall asleep in him will be raised by him and will have a seat at his table. Now, we talked about our sister Jill Ball. Those who fall asleep in him will be raised by him and will have a seat at his table. That's our Jill. She's got a seat at his table. Lazarus will be there. They can have that conversation. Yet we also see in the, in the story of Lazarus, and we see it right at the end in those end, um, those end verses where it says, you know, because of Lazarus and because he couldn't keep his gob shut, there were, there were people daring, there were Jews daring to come to Jesus. And so the easy answer was, get rid of him. Reminds us that there could be a cost to following Jesus. Martyrdom still exists for those who choose the path. It's sobering. We should not ignore it. And so we end up at the feet of the last person in this account. At the feet of Jesus. Where was the Saviour's compass pointing to? Where was his heart pointing to? What was his end goal? What was his destination? When, um, when Tom spoke about this series and he said, he, said, he, he made this comment, I'm not... I, can't quote it word for word, but he made this comment about the fact that nothing was now going to detract Jesus from where he was going, from what was going to happen. Jesus was heading for the cross, willingly, without hesitation, to do the, wild, to do the will of the one who sent him. And on the way to the cross, and I can't even imagine, if I, I try and keep three thoughts in my head, I get confused. On the way to the cross, Jesus took every opportunity, every moment to reach those who had rejected him, to comfort those who knew him, to protect those who fall at his feet and to raise those who put their trust in him. Only God could accomplish all of that, could he not? 
on the way to the cross. His heart was straight. What's our heart doing this morning? Where's the compass of our heart taking us today? Let's pray. Father, again, we just thank you for your word. Lord, as we look at this account and we see whether it's Judas or Martha or Mary or Lazarus, we see, Lord, that the the heart is so important. And we just pray, Lord, that wherever, I don't know, where my brothers and sisters here, where their heart are pointing. But I just pray if it's anywhere else, if it's anywhere off course, if it deviates in any way, I just pray by the power of your Holy Spirit and your grace and your mercy that you would just bring us back to that place at the feet of Jesus. We thank you for the testimony of the saints we've talked about today, Lord. We thank you that you are in control. And we pray that you would have your way in the name of Jesus and for his glory. Amen.